Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Mike already cutting out on us. Happy Thursday, Thursday, September the 22nd. 2022 hope you're all doing well chris phillips here the daily crow of the spurs up show appreciate you all tuning in got a lot to dive into and dissect and i appreciate you guys all being a part of it i see gad john edward alan vaughn david garrick travis allen connor lee travi dgd jd holbrooks jeff gullage dc what's going on also guys in the big cock club discord Head over to the TDC Questions channel, the TDC Questions channel, to be sure your questions are answered there as well. Of course, our phone lines are open. Excited to chat with you all, and hopefully we will not be dealing with any technical issues here on this Thursday. We've been doing really good this week. Um, we've been doing good this week. Had a successful conversation this morning with J.C. Sherbert and Phil Mullinax of Inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. Um, so I appreciate them having me on. We'll have JC on today at 1.15. Really excited to chat with him as we spend a little bit of time reflecting on what happened against Georgia, but also, of course, looking ahead of this weekend as the Gamecocks take on the Charlotte 49ers. I see Daryl B. Miller, uh, Leonard Matthews, Stephanie Lee, Fred Lewis, Philip Henson. Is the over-under at 76.5 now? Do you understand that that over-under, I think, opened at like 65 or something like that? Crazy. Crazy. Guys, before we get everything, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Price Picks because the Daily Crow is brought to you by our friends at Price Picks. Go down with the Price Picks app or to pricepicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Guys, you can bet on prop plays for everything, either... Uh, anything, college football, college sports, MLB, NHL, NBA, uh, everything you can think of, guys. Great way to make money. I know you're betting on lines, you're betting on totals, you're betting on futures. Prop plays are also a great way to break the book in this college football season with our friends at Price Picks. Again, that's Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app, go to pricepicks.com. When you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's jump right into your comments, guys. Travis Allen says Gamecocks will win 33-17 to 17 this Saturday. Travis, if that is the final score, my guy, just burn down the stadium. Like, 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 like Travis, if that's the final score, if that's the final score, burn down the stadium. I'm going to try something real quick, guys. Okay. Just reconnect the mic. I don't know what was going on, dude. Melon, melon issues. The melon, I, I don't know. Must champ hackers, melon hackers. Todd Smith, what's going on? C Youngblood, appreciate you tuning in. Um, Justin Langford says, CLT is going to put up some points. We just got to keep answering. Guys, yeah, if you want to drop your predictions, we are at that point in the week. If you'd like to drop predictions, I will have my lead pipe lock of the week brought to you by our friends over at A1 Air Quality Consultants tomorrow. So looking forward to that. 
Um, full breakdown of the game on tomorrow's podcast. I mean, you guys kind of already know my prediction because I'm taking the Gamecocks minus 22 in the football game. Um, so, you know, I, 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 guys, this is a game that, you know, we'll do the whole song and dance tomorrow about keys of the game and key matchups and all that good stuff. But this is all about South Carolina. This game is all about the Gamecocks, right? Charlotte's got a nice quarterback, the Chris Reynolds kid. Um, he's thrown seven touchdowns to one pick, you know, 73% completion percentage, averaging 298 yards per game passing, right? But the storyline of this ball game shouldn't be anything about Charlotte. It, it should be about the Gamecocks flexing their offensive muscles that, yes, I think are there. They are there. Flexing their offensive muscles starting to find some sort of identity, even if you don't want to say they found an identity, finding some sort of offensive success and scoring a boatload of points and racking up a boatload of yards. I'm talking 500 yards minimum offensively. And, dude, I, I listen, Charlotte's averaging even up 45 points per game. You, you need to score 50. I, I mean, you really do. Like, there will be – if you win this game – what did Travis Allen say? What, 33 to 17? Something like that? Is that what you said? 33 to 17. If that's the score, th- there, th- that will be like a loss. That'll basically be like losing the game. Th- there won't be any post-game presser of, you know, we're, we're really close and, you know, we're, we're doing this. No, no, no. No. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Travis Allen, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm t- and listen, I, I respect all predictions. I'm not telling you, it, hey, listen, maybe it will be 33 to 17, but I'm telling you, Travis, if it's 33 to 17, there ain't no damn way we're reaching a bowl game. I mean, there ain't a, there's not a chance. There's not a chance we make a bowl game. Not even a chance. Like, if, if we can't, let me put it to you this way. These next two weeks, because somebody made the point yesterday about, you know, it doesn't matter, we can't win by enough, it all comes down to Kentucky. And... I, to an extent, agree with that sentiment. <clears throat> I, I, to an extent, agree with that sentiment. But, I mean, if you can't go out and dominate your next two opponents, right, if, if you can't do that, you are in for a very, very, very long season. So, you're in for a very long season. So, Anyways. Eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven guys. I'd love to hear from you again. A fantastic Thursday, believe it or not. Um, just to give you guys an update, since we're just you know having a having a time. And let me let me read off this comment. By the way, I like this comment. Um, Jeff Gullis says, "I have to say, not that I don't like listening to you, but I love the addition of the guests. Love Kelsey Quarles calling. Great work getting those guys." Jeff, I don't take that. That's a positive. I don't take that as a negative at all. Listen. The entire point, Jeff, of the Daily Crow is not for me to ramble. I I more so am serving as the moderator, right? I I just more so want to serve as the moderator. And I I give my takes and opinions. But, Jeff, we have the podcast, right, under the name The Spurs Up Show, as you already know, for for me to ramble for 45 minutes. Like, this is more so for for us all to engage in conversation. So, dude, it's nothing but a blessing when a guy like Kelsey Quarles calls in, all the guests that that, that, – that uh, spend time chatting every day. You guys calling. I, I love it. I love it. So, Jeff, no, I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it. I, I hope all you guys do. Um, I mean, it's truly a blessing, man, that we're to the point where a guy like Kelsey Quarles will just casually call in and, 
and give his thoughts on things. And I mean, I, I really do appreciate Kelsey and it's, you know, it's really cool, man. It's, it's just, it's really, really cool. It's really cool. And I, again, man, I, I, there's a lot of cool stuff happening right now. Um, we're reaching a milestone on the store side of things. I, I, I don't know that I'll share it. I, I'll say this. I, I don't know that I'll share it publicly, like on social media and stuff like that, but uh, we, we are reaching a milestone with the store. I, I'll let you guys kind of know what it is when we hit it. Uh, but probably within the next week, we will hit that. And it's, it's just, there's a lot of cool things happening behind the scenes and business-wise, the way things are growing and, and evolving. And and uh, it's just a lot of fun, man. And it's, and it's all because of you guys, the love and support. And I, I can't say thank you enough and express enough gratitude, man. I, I truly do appreciate every single one of you. But again, this is our time. This is our opportunity for two hours every single day to – you guys to call in and voice your opinions. And I, and I really do. I think there's a lot of value. You know, I, I know you guys probably don't have a ton of avenues or outlets outside of just like tweeting or social media, commenting, whatever, to, to voice your opinions and give your feedback. And I think it's important, obviously, for the fans to have a voice, right? I speak with the fan, not to the fan. So I think it's important for you guys to have a voice and for us all to have a voice. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's what this show is for. So, Jeff, I appreciate you, my friend. Chandler Butner says, Chris, what exactly have you all seen that makes you think this offense to score 45-plus points? It won't happen. Well, Chandler, I hear what you're saying, my guy. I, I, I really do. I hear it. I just don't think you're taking into account how bad Charlotte is. I, I just really don't. My guy. I, they're averaging giving up 45 points per game, and they've played Florida Atlantic, William & Mary, Maryland, and Georgia State. And they're averaging giving up 45 points per game. It'll be criminal, criminal if the Gamecocks can't score 45 points. Criminal. Just flat-out criminal. Now, I'm not saying that it's a guarantee they'll score 45 because, you know, who knows, right? Maybe Marcus Satterfield is really that inept. But should it happen? Yeah, yeah, it should happen. Yeah, for sure. It, uh, it should happen. Wesley Bowles, was that you pulling the fire alarm and broke off? <laughs> yeah, maybe back in 2009. Or, yeah, well, let me see. Yeah, 2009. Maybe it was me then. Um, Chandler Butler, Chris, let me ask you this. If the Gamecocks score 30 points or less, what will you say? I will say uh, Marcus Satterfield should be arrested leaving Williams-Brice Stadium, literally, and, and thrown in the dungeon and, and not, al not allowed out for the rest of the season. That's what I will say. So, that's what I will say. Um, I, I, I would, I, Chandler, I would, I would be willing to bet. I'd be willing to bet a sum of money that you would probably be uncomfortable putting up that we will score more than 30 points. Let me just put it that way. I, I, I would honestly be willing to bet that. So <clears throat> Jeff Gulledge, do you think the stadium would empty like last weekend? If we go into halftime, South Carolina 17, Charlotte seven, Jeff, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a fantastic crowd anyway. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it'd be pretty brutal. I think it'd be pretty brutal. I mean, this, this is this is the type of game that should be 21 and nothing after the first quarter, Gamecocks. Like, literally, if we have 10 possessions, if we have 10 possessions, we should score touchdowns on minimum six of them. Like, I, I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. Um, That's how bad Charlotte is defensively. Let's see. As we, somebody texts in, James Porter, as we build a program, do you have any thoughts on next year's quarterback situation? Um, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on does Spencer Rattler come back? You know, I, I really thought, guys, there was no way. I thought there was no way he'd return. But, um, I mean, maybe he's back. Maybe he, I mean, who, who's watched, if this continues, 
if this continues, you know, who's to say he won't return? So if that's the case, then I think there's your answer, right? I think there's your answer. Uh, if it's not Rattler, I mean, it, it's so hard to predict, man, because the transfer portal exists, right? It, it just, who knows? You could go get some guy in the portal that makes sense. It's it's so hard to predict. You know, if it, if it's not the portal, though, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a Doty, maybe it's Davis, maybe it's Bailey. I don't know. James Kendall says, you'd think we're playing basketball based on the morale in here. I mean, you know, James, I can't blame fans, though. I can't blame fans, right? Which which is so weird. We're right where y'all fit us to be. We just look so porous. Here we go. What's going on, man? How are you? Hey, what's going on, my guy? How you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Just hanging out. What's up? Uh, not much uh, on my lunch break. I finally got it to where uh, I didn't have to rush so much. But um, I was taking into consideration what uh, Garcia said and what uh, Kelsey said. And uh, I was actually sitting down talking to a buddy of mine last night. And uh, me and him went to a couple of games together, you know, uh, 2010-2011 season. And the, the key up on what Kelsey said and going to the game against Georgia Southern uh, to open the season up, the way the guys come out of the tunnel, I guess, you know, whenever somebody gives you a different perspective or a different point of view, you can kind of go back and see things. Mm-hmm. The, the way the guys come out of the tunnel for uh, 2001 at the Georgia State game, it granted it was Georgia State, they come out and it was like they were going through the typical motions of how the 2010-2011 teams come out. And I know everybody's tired of talking about 2010, 2011, 2012, but those were – basically the peak of USC football since I've been alive, and I'm 34 years old. Um, as far as um, Rattler, I wanted to pose this question to you and just get, you know, your your thoughts and opinions on it, even though it's a hypothetical. Mm. <clears throat> Satterfield is our OC. I'm, I'm a big fan of Beamer. I'm always going to be a fan of Beamer. I like the way he's running the program as the head coach. But Satterfield being the OC, he's the quarterback coach. Chris, me and you can go down to a coal mine and find a diamond, and we're not gemologists. We ain't going to be able to polish that diamond up and get the most out of it. Even though it's raw, it's natural, it's a diamond, it's worth something. Satterfield's job is to polish that diamond up. Mm-hmm. Now that Rattler's here in the SEC, we still somewhat <clears throat> see his deficiencies as a quarterback. So, Let's just say hypothetically that Beamer, I think he's the type of guy to keep everything closed behind the doors, close to the chest, and I think he might be looking towards another OC. Is there a chance that at the end of the year or closer to the end of the year when the heat's really on and Satterfield, he's scared to me. Satterfield seems scared to let the ball fly. We, we've seen in the Arkansas game, once he let his nuts hang, our receivers were able to get one-on-one separation. Rattler overthrew a couple big plays. The potential's there. But I think because of one or two missed plays, <clears throat> Satterfield shut down and went conservative. Do you think there's a chance that if Beamer makes up his mind, let's say the Kentucky game, you know, the next two games are going to be tune-up games for both sides of the offense and defensive ball. After the Kentucky game, God forbid something happens and, and we lose. Do you think 
Beamer says, okay, I need to start finding a different OC. He kind of takes over controlling the play calling and gets another OC in, and Rattler comes back for a second year and polishes up to be a better NFL draft pick. I mean, yeah, I think it's certainly a possibility. I mean, if, bottom line is if the offense if the offense doesn't improve, he's gone. I mean, I just don't I don't know how he could because it, at some point it will turn into, you know, it's like Michael Bratton was talking to me yesterday about it. I mean, it's just if if Beamer doesn't show a willingness to put his relationships aside and move on from Sat when the when the numbers are so porous, then I mean, listen, we all love Shane Beamer. I love Shane Beamer. You love Shane Beamer, but no man is immune to no man is immune to the pressures of SEC football and winning and all that love and above all else and you love your brother, that shit's going to go out the window real fast, real, real fast. The heat will go from Sat to Beamer, you know? It, like, okay. the, the way that the way that Muschamp was thought of where, like, you know, he, he's just – it went from he can't hire a good OC to he's just not a good football coach. Like, he, he just doesn't know offense. That's what it'll turn to. Yeah. So, Beamer has to be willing to do that. He has to be willing to do that. Okay. So, pretty much, you know, if things really doesn't well, – would you say the Kentucky game would be a fair judgment of how – now, granted, Kentucky is not the Kentucky of yesteryear. They're a different Kentucky. So, right. he's done his job, even though he's kind of a jackass right now. Give the man his flowers. He's done his job. If we make it competitive and, you know – if for some godly, I don't, I find it hard for us to lose to Kentucky, but mm. the possibility is there. If we look better and lose with style, do you think that would maybe save Satterfield's job? I mean, I, I think it at least maybe or, cool cool some things off. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's going to be jumping for joy if we lose thirty eight to thirty five to Kentucky. But at minimum, at least if the offense is clicking, well, then I guess the Heat would switch over to Clayton White. And the defense. I, I mean, that's – but, yeah, for me, that's kind of where it comes to a head in regards to, like, if, if the offense looks porous um, – if the offense looks porous at that point, it's like, dude, you've had, you've had half the season. Like, this, this, there's, there's a difference in, in being patient and being stupid. You know what I mean? So, because um, just at some point, man, again, like, to what I was just saying, I, you, can, you can give all this nonsense of how close you are and we're, we're just – and maybe you are that close and we see it the next two weeks and then against Kentucky there's this offensive explosion against an SEC team. But, again, when the, when the dust settles at the end of the season, when the dust settles at the end of the season, if you're ranked 100th again in offense, dude, you are what the numbers say you are. You, you are. I, I don't care what you think. I don't care how close you think you are. The, you are what the numbers say you are. So, if that's where you are, I mean, you got to make a change. It's just bottom line. Like, again, we said it all summer long. I'm not backing off it now. Like, you traded in the beat-up hoopty for the Ferrari. I know you got issues up front. We, we all do. It ain't perfect. Everywhere on the offense could still be upgraded. But if you're Marcus Satterfield, you're Shane Beamer, you're that offensive staff, and you can't take the pieces you've added and have a productive offense, you got to go. You, you just – there has to be a change. And I, and I hate the revolving door. But, like, like how, how can anybody trust moving forward that Marcus Satterfield could take any offensive talent we bring into Columbia and do anything with it? How, how could you? I don't think he would be able to. And then one, uh, last thing I'm going to key up on the offensive thing before I make a comment about defensive is 
with Stogner coming in, Bell, Van, Wells, the Arkansas game showed me that one-on-one ideal matchup, these guys can get separation. Now, I'm, I'm not an SEC OC. I'm not an SEC head coach. But playing football in high school, it seems that you can kind of get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quicker on a four- or five-yard slant route than you could on a swing pass. It seems like it takes the pocket more to develop on a swing pass. So if these guys showed you in the Arkansas game they can get separation and the, sw- the swing the passes wasn't hitting but our slant passes was, you know, a couple of the deep routes developed, they showed that spark. Why not build off? Why not build off that? He is like he's stuck in his play call away. Um, speaking of defense, something that I don't think I haven't heard anybody really talk about on Spurs Up Show or, or anything really is I think the next two games and going into the Kentucky game is really going to tell us a lot about Clayton White as a head defensive coach. And the reason why I say that is we all know our secondary is a little depleted. We know what guys we got coming out for the rest of the season. We know our depth on both sides of the ball isn't that great. But with defense, I think with the Charlotte game and the SEC State, the SEC State game leading into the Kentucky game is really going to force Clayton White's hand to find the next man up, how we can get the next man up ready. And between those next two games, I think that's going to show us what we have as a defensive coordinator as far as his coaching abilities and ability to get the next man up ready at a competitive level for the SEC. What's your thoughts on that? No, I, I think these next two weeks, yeah, I think they're very important for the entire football team. I mean, I know we all just want to talk offense and sat, but, um, <clears throat> you know, defensively you need to get healthy. And, yeah, I mean, dude, it's you've just been whipped the last two weeks on defense. You've been whipped. And you can say, well, it's, you know, the, the defense is just on the field too long. Like, bro, I'm so tired of hearing that. I don't give a damn. Make a play. Make a play. Get off the field. I, I don't know. Make a play. You know? You're getting ran over. You haven't give, you haven't held a team to less than 200 yards rushing. So, dude, the pressure's on everybody right now, man. It should be. It should be. I, I know we all we all love Clayton White. I like Clayton White, man. I like the defensive staff. But, um, dude, it's, it's – yeah, it's been – I mean, it's – let me just put it to you this way, and I will say this, and some may not like it, but it is what it is. What I – you know, I, I talked a lot about turnovers coming into this year and how could you get the ball off of people the same way you did last year. Because the reality is this. I don't know that you were really that good of a defense last year. I think you got a lot of turnovers, and I think that being the top ten in pass defense kind of kind of made people not understand that, like, you couldn't stop the run for jack shit. And, like, outside of a handful of games, like, the defense wasn't all that great last year. Right now, give credit to Clayton White and his staff. They they did more with less and and all that jazz. But like, the, yeah, the, the the defense there's there's a lot left there to be desired to. So I I know we're all focused on sap play calling offense. That's a lot more fun to talk about. But the defense hadn't held up there into the bargain either. So you you, you need two dominant performances. I, I understand that Charlotte can can throw it around the yard a little bit, and um you know I don't know if Cam Smith's going to play or Rogers going to play or who who's going to be available, but. Uh, you know, you, you they need to also use these next two weeks to to establish, you know, some dominance and, and build some confidence as well. Because, you know, you'll have an opportunity against Kentucky. You will. You'll have an opportunity. They have not – they haven't been good up front offensively. Uh, you know, I was talking about it again with SEC Mike. They, they averaged 2.9 yards per carry against Youngstown State or Youngstown, whatever. So, 
Um, you'll have an opportunity against them, but um, all facets of this football team have to be better. I mean, they, they just do, bottom line. And it's, that, that includes the defense and Clayton White. And so the pressure is on everybody, man. Again, this is SEC football. You're getting paid a lot of money. Um, you know, players now are getting paid a lot of money. So pressure is on everybody and deservedly so. Um, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Go Cox and uh, everybody have a good day. Yeah, man. Appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Great stuff. 843-790-337-7. Let's see. Getting back into your questions. Getting back into your questions. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Chad Morris still trying to figure out what Freddie Kitchens is doing. Thought he was brought in to help Satterfield. I mean, he's an analyst. I don't know, Chad, exactly what an analyst does, but he's an analyst. So, you tell me. You tell me. I mean, I, I, I'll just say this, guys, again. Like, I, I'm not to the point right now where I'm, I'm calling for Satterfield's job. But do I think Satterfield – I mean, listen, he, he's the he's the master of the offense. He's the OC, right? He's, he's the one that has his hands on everything, and the offense is, is abysmal. And there, there's – like, there's no positive way to spin it. There's no way to – well, look at – like, you, you, you are what the numbers say you are. Like, why, why do we not give that more credit? You are what the numbers say you are. Bottom line, you know, I'm so like I'm so tired of having ugly box scores. Like I'm, I'm so tired of that. I'm so tired of seeing ugly box scores. Like, can can we ever go out and just like this weekend, right? Like, I'd love to see us have like five seventy offense, you know, fifty plus points, two fifty rushing. 320 passing, hold Charlotte to 178 yards of offense. Like, let's dominate the stat sheet, you know? Let's dominate the stat sheet. So, anyways, guys, I'd love to hear from you. Again, phone lines are open. Um, You know, we we all kind of know where we sit right now. And and, uh, you just – this this is a fan base, you know, a football team and a fan base that desperately, desperately needs – a, 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 just a blowout win, just a, a blowout win, so. A blowout win. Travis Lee got to be positive or Gamecock Twitter will be upset. Yeah. Nah, it's fine, man. I mean, it is what it is. It's, you know, we're, we're in the heat of, you know, the emotions that come with football season, Right. Our guy Chase in the Big Cock Club Discord in the TDC Questions channel, he says, 41 to 17 for me. We've been hot dog water, and that's just the honest truth. I hope we blow them out 100 to nothing, but knowing Carolina, we will win by three, LOL. You know, 41 to 17, at least I guess we'd cover. Um, but I just I just don't see how they're averaging giving up 560 yards per game on defense. 45 points per game. I mean, if, if you can't hit those numbers, how could you call this game a success? And, and and again, it's like, as somebody pointed out yesterday, I mean, I just think he put it beautifully. Like, you you can't win by enough. It doesn't matter, right? But it but it does. But it, it actually kind of does. Like, you, you need to win this game in dominating fashion. Absolutely dominating fashion. John Edwards says 45 to 14, somewhere in that range is what he's picking. Okay. I mean, that's that's a fair pick, John Edwards. Travis Lee says 41 to 24. I'm, I'm telling you, Travis, yeah, you, if you don't cover the spread in this one, all hell going to break loose. 
Sorry, hold on. What's going on, man? How are you? What's going on, man? Um, you know, I'll uh, start off by uh, saying that, um, you know, everyone is, you know, so down about the Georgia game, especially me. You know, I feel like, you know, there's a responsibility upon the offense to, um, you know, keep up with that that defensive unit being injured. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I have to wonder that, you know, you have a guy like Stetson Bennett out there going, falling out. And, you know, I, I heard what Jake Crane said, you know, he has nothing to prove. He's got all the momentum on his shoulders. But it, it's hard to see, you know, with the stat line of Rattler, you know, if we all knew he was, you know, not going to have the best guys possible around him. But a two-touchdown-to-five interception ratio just – it. It irks me something bad. Do you feel like, you know, is there a mental game with him? Is it, you know, do you feel like he's over trying to overcompensate? Or I, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, he, he looks slow, and that's not to credit him. He has a great arm at times. But I don't know, man. I feel like we need someone more mobile out in that backfield. Well, I feel like the entire offense, man, we're moving in half speed. That's, that's what I feel like. I, I feel like we are thinking way too much. You know, I, I had a coach in college that told me, and again, this this could apply to any sport, right? It's not just a baseball thing. And excuse my French, but he said, you know, if you're going to fuck up, fuck up flying. Don't fuck up going half speed. You know, I, I can live with a screw up when you're going 120%. You make a mistake. It's inevitable. It's sports, right? It happens. But to be going half speed and to mess up, you're not even giving it your best effort. You're not even putting your best foot forward. We got a lot of guys right now that it feels like, and whether you want to blame them specifically, you want to blame Satterfield, you want to give credit to the competition we've played, whatever your excuse is, I, whatever it is, it just, when you watch it, maybe this is wrong, maybe I'm inaccurate, but it, when you watch it, it feels like our guys are thinking too much. They're moving in half speed. They're not, you hear the term playing fast, right? And when you're thinking too much, you can't play fast. So, you know, at, at, like oh, yeah. at this point, I almost feel like we'd be better off just letting Spencer Rattler go out there and draw it up in the dirt. You go run this route, you run this route, let's go. Because whatever, and we saw it last yeah. year, now we're seeing it this yeah. year, like whatever whatever Marcus Satterfield's asking this offense to do, I mean, we, we've heard, you know, through the grapevine that it's, that it's too difficult and guys don't understand. And listen, rumors are just that, they're rumors. But at some point, there becomes so much smoke. There's like there's an inevitable fire somewhere. So I we we can't tell Sad anything. He's gonna do his thing regardless, but it's like simplify. Simplify. Maximize what your guys are good at and minimize what they're not. And at least try to do that. We're we're gonna mess up. We're, we're not gonna be perfect. We got holes, we got deficiencies, but damn it, I can live with the fuck ups. If we're going 120% speed, it's hard to live with it when we're moving in slow motion. So that that that's oh, yeah. where I'm at with it. You know what I mean? Like, if you're gonna mess up, cool, but oh, be yeah. going full speed when you do it. It's just um for me, it's like you know, you looked at our you know I, I you know listen to your positional unit preview series and um you know thinking about you know we got a veteran O line and you know granted I'll say this the O line has not been with Georgia and Arkansas has not been seemingly the weakest link like it was in the Georgia State game. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, look, you got Shaheen Bell tied in, tied in good. You got 
and I granted Corey Rucker is injured, but you know Josh Van was supposed to ball out. Antoine Wells almost put up 200 yards receiving. Um, Josh Van, and uh, we heard a lot about Xavier Leggett. Where's that going? And you know uh, Amari and Brown and Jalen Brooks. And it feels like Satterfield is putting is thinking too much on offense, trying to move Jaheim Bell in the running back position. Guys are scattered in positions that it feels like a straightforward offense where they're playing the positions they're meant to play. Mm-hmm. It feels like we would execute better. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it's funny, man. I'm sitting here pulling up the statistics because you mentioned you mentioned a guy like Xavier Leggett. I'm like, does he have a catch yet? Like, does he have a catch? Real, like, really? I I I don't even recall. Um. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I agree with everything you're saying in regards to just the overthinking. And I, I will say this give credit, by the way. I, I was very, very harsh, obviously, um, on the offensive line. I was very harsh on the offensive line. They've played better, I think, since Georgia State, especially in pass blocking. Um, that, that, if I had to pinpoint one thing I want to see this week, if I, if I had to pinpoint, it would probably be, I, I just, I want to see the offensive line take over a game, right? I want to see the offensive line. Right. Be done. By the way, yeah, he's got two catches for nine yards. Two catches for nine yards. Um, but I, I want to see oh the offensive God. line take oh over God. and dominate a game because right now your leading ball carrier on the season is Marshawn Lloyd, who has 27 carries for 75 net yards. We as a football team right now, 91 carries for 211 yards net, and I guess that includes Rattler's uh, sack yard. So even if you take that away, though, 91 carries for 299 yards. Oh, yeah. We're averaging 2.3 yards per carry, 70 yards per game. I think if you fix the running game, I think you fix a lot of the issues. So, um, you know, take some of the heat off Rattler. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I think you make all valid points, man. And it's just the bottom line is this. It's, it's just not good enough. It, it's just not good enough offensively. How, how about this, by the way? Josh Van on the season, 3-3 games. Two catches for eight yards. I mean, put that dude on a milk carton because he has been – Missing since the season started. Missing, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's so funny thinking about it, and uh, you know that Georgia State game, and um, you know, I wasn't so mad about Arkansas, really. You know, the way we, it felt like we had that Beamer mentality where we played till the end. I didn't really like the last minute of the game where we just kind of got the onside kick, and then we just kind of let the time run out. You know, make, make a deep shot, but um. Other than that, is that Georgia game just really was baffling to me. You know, we had home field for the second biggest game in a row uh, after Clemson. You got every, you got a sellout crowd, and you got all the biggest recruits there, and you play a piss poor performance. Mm-hmm. I get we were down on defense. I do not discredit Clayton White for that, but it's more so. It, you know, I'm, I'm kind of queuing out for the Charlotte and South Carolina State game because we got to win that game. We got to mm-hmm. win those games. And if I do, and if I do watch those games, I don't care about how how many times we score. I care about how clean we play on offense right. and defense. Right. Yeah, I mean, listen, and, and, and I don't, I don't think I mean, that makes you a bad yeah. fan either. Like I, you know, I think some people might hear that, and I mean, listen, I, obviously, I'll be in Cola, like I'll be watching the game, all that good stuff. Um, but I, I, I don't blame the the, you know, I don't blame fans for saying like, who cares? Like, it, you again, you can't beat Charlotte and SC State by enough. You know what I mean? Because it's, you know, fans didn't tune into this season to watch us beat Georgia State and Charlotte and SC State. They tuned in to watch us go win seven or eight games and win some SEC games and beat some rivals and snap some streaks and, and, and win some games that actually hold some weight to them. I, so I, I can't blame fans oh, at yeah. all for that for that school of thinking. You know what I mean? So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I just I, – and to your point about, like, the Georgia game, man, like, nobody's discrediting the fact that Georgia's an elite. I mean, they are. They are, right? But we spent all preseason talking about year two, it's about how you win and lose. I literally – like, I, I was back in January talking about that. I was talking about that back in January, about it's about how you win and lose more so than anything. Like, you can have the exact same record as last year. You can end up six and six again. But if in your six losses, you're competitive, you know what I mean? You're going toe-to-toe with some of these teams. You're still losing, but you're competitive. Then that will be – it'll feel different. Six and six will feel different. So, I mean, yeah, what happened Saturday, man? I don't care who you're down. I, I don't care about anything. It's, it's just not acceptable, dude. To, to, you were down 48-0. to zero. Like – that, that's all I got to say. You know what I mean? So I, I don't give a damn what level Georgia's on and how much. I understand how good they are. But we see teams every single week in college football, at least for a half of football, give their opponent hell. Like, we shouldn't have even shown up. We, we literally just sh- – we should have forfeited that game for whatever even happened. Like, like that, 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 that's what I saw. Oh, oh, it's yeah. just Kelsey Quarles talked yesterday, too. We were scared, intimidated from the jump. So – um, you know, and you're gonna you're um, gonna play more good teams you know, this year. I mean, it's just not good enough to go out there and get your tail, you know, your teeth kicked in every single time. Right. I guess you know, for me, it's like you know, with the seven and six record last season, you know, what I was so happy about it because we had a guy, we had a coach we didn't know anything about other than you know he coaches South Carolina, doesn't have any previous coordinator or head coaching experience. And you come out and you finish the season strong, and it's like this season, you had all these intangibles, mm-hmm. and it's like it's not. It feels like it's not translating. In times, it felt like you know on offense and de- and even defense, it felt like we were executing way better last season than we were this season. Yeah, dude. I, I hey, well, and and I think too, it's it's because of expectations. I think it's because of expectations. Like we had no expectations last year. It's like wow, look what we're doing with a you know, a graduate assistant quarterback or whatever. And now it's like you have such high expectations because we've seen Spencer Rattler play such good football. And so, I mean, obviously to see what we're seeing is just, you know, it just, it's with nowhere near what we hope for. Vanderbilt, yeah. With how surprising Vanderbilt's playing, and I'm not trying to, you know, throw in the towel and say, we're going to lose to Vanderbilt, our season's over. But granted, Vanderbilt is three and one, and, you know, they they played, you know, better than a lot of Andy teams we've seen since, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was 2012-2013 when they went 8-4. and four. But, I mean, it looks like their offense has got something going. Do you feel like, you know, that Vanderbilt game might be a game we might need to watch a little bit closer than we ever have? I, I mean, at this point, my guy, until we see something different, I, I don't know how you can put any – I don't know how any South Carolina fan can take any game for granted, maybe outside of these, these next two, Charlotte and SC State. I mean, it's just – you know, I, I just – I don't think we're at a point where we can just say, well, that's – nah, we're, we're above losing that game. You know what I mean? Like, you could have lost week one to Georgia State had you not blocked two punts. So, um, right. you know, it's, it's, and it's why – it's why in the preseason, you know, listen, I picked eight and four, but you, but you still try to keep expectations in check and, and try to think you, – you see things from a realistic scope, or at least I do, because – Again, you look at the preseason. No, nobody in the preseason thinks they're going to have a bad year. You know, every fan base is like, this is our right. year, man. We're going to have a great year. And it's like, 
Now, somebody's got to have a bad year. Somebody's going to underachieve. Somebody's going to have a pissed-off fan base. Maybe it's us. Maybe it's us. Maybe we go five and seven. You know? I, I don't want that. I'm not right. saying that's going to happen. I'm not wishing, obviously, for that to happen. But, I mean, if we look anything less than stellar over the next couple – over these next two games – I mean, I think five and seven is very in play, unfortunately. I just – because because here's the thing. As you sit right now, I, the rankings will change, right? You can say whatever about rankings, they're BS. But as it sits right now – Right. Sits right now, you're going to beat Charlotte and SC State. Let's just say you beat – let's say you beat Vandy and Mizzou. That's five, and, that's five wins. Who's the sixth win? Kentucky's ranked. A&M's ranked. Florida's ranked. Tennessee's ranked. Clemson's ranked. You're going to have to beat a ranked opponent. As of as it stands right now, to get a sixth win. Did we beat a ranked opponent last season? No, it would be the first time we've ever beaten a ranked opponent under Shane Beamer. So, it's again, I'm not saying wow. that all those teams will be ranked. We play them right. Florida might fall apart like they did last year. Tennessee could fall apart. Like you never know. But I'm just saying, as it looks right now, like you're not going to coast through this season playing bad football, and 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 get the bowl eligibility. You're, you're at some point you're going to have to play good football. You're going to have to. I think, again, that's what's so frustrating right now for fans. It's just like, because I was thinking about this this morning. Like, we're exactly where we all picked us to be at this point. We're one and two. Everybody, or, you know, most everybody, all those with pretty realistic expectations, they felt like one and two was where we'd be. But it's like, the problem is we just, we haven't played good football at all. Like, I think the mood right now, my friend, would be so much different had we, like, you know, looked good offensively, and we had beaten Georgia State 41-14. to 14. The, the game we were hoping was going to oh, happen, yeah. right? Like, because then you could say, well, you know, listen, we just went through a really tough stretch and um, give Georgia and Arkansas credit. You know, they're two top ten teams. Yeah, that, but it's like, we haven't played good football at any point this year. At any point. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, it's just more so, you know, as a Gamecock fan, you know, I come, I, I, you know, you know, I'm younger and, you know, I pay $80 uh, a month for a subscription just to watch all the Carolina games. I mean, I have, I have my subscription on pause because it's like, you know, if we play Pittsburgh against Charlotte and um, South Carolina State, then I'm not going to want to get up and watch the Kentucky game because I don't, why I don't want to be let down. And it's not so I'm, I'm, a let down Carolina fans more so I mean you have to have some sort of expectation granted I'm not James Reynolds and I think we're going to go 10 and 2 and win the East but I still think we need to come out ball out the best we can and play the best we can despite injuries and whatever may be Hmm. at the end of the day yeah yeah I think that's fair I mean obviously it starts this weekend you got to uh you, you need to just beat Charlotte's ass. I mean, there's, there's just no other way. <laughs> there's, there's no other way, other way to put it. Again, I, I you know, I'll, I'll, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I'll, I'll do my whole song and dance talking about key matchups, keys to the game, all that good stuff. But, like, bottom line, this game's all about South Carolina dominating. That's what it comes down to. That's what you need to do. Anything less than that will be unacceptable. Bottom line. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, six and six and a bowl win is probably – you know, at this point, looking like a pretty a pretty decent season. Anything less than that, I mean, I'll either be disappointed or, you know, content. But uh, I appreciate you letting me call in, Chris. Uh, thanks again for everything you do, man, and uh, good call. Yeah, I appreciate the call, my friend. Thank you so much. And I would just say, 
hang in there, my guy. We've got a long way to go. Hey, we saw it last year. Things can things can turn in a second and they can change. And, you know, who never you, we, you never know with Gamecock football. I mean, that's that's the thing I will say. That's what I'm trying to kind of keep in mind right now is it's like we're all pissed off. We're all upset. Like, I, I, compl- I mean, I'm, I'm the same way, obviously. I mean, you hear me what I'm saying, but I, I try to keep in mind, like, we're exactly where I thought we'd be, one and two. We, we are li- – after five games, we're going to be exactly where I picked us. We're going to be three and two. That's that's. I mean, we're going to be literally where we all picked us to be, right? So, but again, it's just like the way it's happening. It's just leaving a lot to be desired. Leaving a lot to be desired. Um, guys, we're going to jump into a quick break, but I want to continue to hear from you more. Your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Guys, let me say thank you to you all for tuning in today, uh, for being engaging in the show, leaving your questions, leaving your comments, all that good stuff. Um, let's see. Hmm. Anyways, on a lighthearted note, on a little bit of a funnier note, whatever you want to call it, um, <laughs> for those of you on Facebook, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and jump to the phone lines. Exactly. I'll, I'll tell. I'll say what I was going to say later. Robbie, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic on this Thursday. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you calling in. It is a hot one today. I think I'm going to uh, maybe enjoy my last pool day of the season. It's it's like 94 here in Greenville. So I, I think I'm going to enjoy a pool day, and that'll probably be, like I said, the last one of the uh, of the season because I think we're finally about to hit some yeah, cooler weather. It won't but, be much longer. It'll start getting cold. Yeah. So. You know, other than that, I'm, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Uh, um, the main thing that I want to see the next two weeks, especially play with some attitude, with some, we're going to beat your ass attitude. We're going to pay you your paycheck and give you an asshole. Okay. Give you whatever we're going to pay you and give you your two ass the next two weeks. Okay. But the main thing that I want to see Saturday and next week whenever I go up to Cola for the state game, okay? Like you said before going to break, dominate the line of scrimmage, right? There is no reason why our offense shouldn't have a heyday this week. And I'm really curious to see who offensively steps up this the next two weeks. And my prediction for I got my two I got two I got two predictions for you. Okay. okay. I got my I got my prediction for Saturday and then next week. Okay. You ready? I'm 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 ready. My prediction for Saturday for this coming Saturday. 48 to 12, or no, it was 48 to 12, but I, I changed it right before I called. So it's mm. 52 to 12. Okay. The way I got Charlotte scoring is four field goals. Four field goals. Yeah, I love that's it. it. Four field goals, no tutties for Charlotte to 
Charlotte. We're going to pay them their money and give them an ass and tell them to go back to Charlotte. Tell them okay? to go to hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, go back to Charlotte, okay? Yeah. CLT. And for, for, for State, I got us winning 50, 50, 53 to 7. Okay. Fifty-three to seven. Okay, a pair, pair of fifty-point games. I'd, I'd love that. I, I, two, two, those are two type of performances we need. I will say that. Two type of performances we need. Yes, and I absolutely agree. We need performances like that, especially the next two weeks with the opponents that we have coming in. Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to them. No, nah, to, to hell with both of them. All the yeah, all the disrespect. <laughs> just all but, of them. Uh, give, we, give it all we to them. To just, we, we need to treat them disrespectfully. Right. Beat their ass and tell them to go home. That's it. And I looked at the schedule before I called in, Okay. The remain the remaining games that we have, and if th- if this offense is not clicking by the time we get to Kentucky or even Vanderbilt, okay, because I have watched Vanderbilt play a little bit, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, their first game was against Hawaii in Hawaii. Big whoop. I had a feeling that Vanderbilt was going to win that game in the first place. Okay, was I expecting was I expecting them to score as bad, as much as they did? No. But if we keep playing like this, our win streak against Vandy will go in the toilet. And I would tell every single player on that defense for the next two weeks, any opponent that has that ball, you hit them and you tell them they're just, they're going to get hit hard and often all day long. Their life is going to be a living hell for three and a half hours. Yeah, bring the heat. Bring the attitude. And I will definitely be watching the game Saturday, of course, or Saturday night, I mean. And then whatever other games are on after that, I'll watch the rest of those and then just go about the rest of my evening. But these next two weeks, we have got to Show that we are the superior school the next two weeks. And I would tell my offensive line, if I was the O-line coach, I don't care who's in front of you. Knock them on their ass 
and tell them it's going to happen all day long. Make them make them submit to the ass whooping from the get go. Anything else you would tell the offensive line? Uh, I would tell him if you don't do your job correctly, your ass is sitting on the bench until I say otherwise. I'm gonna find, I'll find somebody that's wanting to put somebody on their ass. No matter who it is. A Charlotte player, an SC State player, anybody. I don't care. I'm going to find somebody that wants to put somebody on their ass and do it all day long. You ever put somebody on their ass, Robbie? I can't really remember, but if I had to guess, I probably did. I'm not 100% sure. I'm, but I'm sure you did. I, I'd imagine oh yeah. Robbie Davis. Puts like, I would. There. I would tell the guy that I would have to block. I would tell the guy. I would tell the kid because, of course, I only I only played like mm-hmm. rec ball. But I would tell the kid, I'm like, look, you're not. You might knock me on my butt once or twice, but it ain't going to happen a third time. Mm-hmm. Put him right on his keister. Mm-hmm. Right on his keister. And I definitely think within these next two weeks, we within these next two weeks, we will definitely – have a special team touchdown for sure. I don't know how, but I definitely have okay. a feeling. So, so you're calling the special teams a, tutty. Special yes, teams we tutty. we will have a special teams tutty. I don't know how, but we will definitely have a special teams tutty. I will be shocked if in these next two games we do not attempt to block a punt or a field goal. But I definitely think in these next two weeks, something like that will happen. And if it does, it'll break the spirit of either Charlotte or SC State. I'd like to think we could just line up and beat the shit out of them and break their spirit that way. That's a good idea. I like that idea. So. I love that idea. Yeah. Well, Robbie, we'll see what happens, my friend. I got you locked in with your score predictions. Um, 52 to 12 against Charlotte, my, 53 yeah, to 7 my, SC State. Yeah. I, I got you locked in. Yep. Those are my two predictions for the next two weeks. And, uh, I will uh, hopefully see you in uh, in uh, two weeks because you are going to the state game, right? I will be there. Yep. So I will hopefully see you in two weeks. You have a great rest of your Thursday. Go Gamecocks and to hell with Clemson. Bunch of farming losers.
Well right, said, man. Robbie. Appreciate you. Have a great you. rest of your day. Yeah, man. You too. Appreciate it. Great stuff from the legendary Robbie Davis, as always. Thank you so much for calling in, Robbie. Um, guys, we were going to have – we are going to have J.C. Sherbert on the show at 115. We will take a break before that at 110. So, if you want to get your questions in, now is the time – or really your calls. Now is the time to do so. Now is the time to do so. 843-790-3377. Um, again, guys, podcast will drop tomorrow. Full breakdown of the Charlotte game. You know, like I said before, we'll do the entire song and dance, all the, the top storylines, keys of the game, key matchups. I'll lock in my prediction. But, but you know, th- th- this, this game – this game on Saturday again, it's just it's really all about South Carolina. Like I, I I don't, you know, it's it's in my blood, it's in my nature. I'm I'm sure I'll I'll spend a lot of the time being all, you know, dramatic on the podcast. It's just kind of what I do. But like I, I almost like on one hand, I'm like, well, what is the point of that? Like, well, you know, you really gotta do this to Charlotte and look at this and break this down. Like we should just beat the hell out of them. Jerry, what's up, man? How are you? Doing good, man. I was I was watching the highlights of the Georgia game. There wasn't many for the Carolina ones, but my man, I feel I, like you, it, you must you must be a glutton to punishment if uh if you were sitting there watching the highlights of the Georgia game. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I was looking like the plays and everything. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think if South Carolina don't score over 30 points in the next two games, Satterfield's gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, yeah, we, we need to score and score a lot over the next two weeks. That is for certain. Um, you good, Jerry? Yeah, I yeah. think I, I'm trying to think what else to tell you. Beamer ball sure was showing up at the game. I noticed that too. Yeah, no, I mean, I do. I, I want to say that too, man. I appreciate all the folks that have been rocking the merchandise and rocking the Beamer ball stuff, Beamer Rattler stuff, all the merch we have, man. It's it's, it's been incredible. It's been a it's been a blessing for sure. So I want to say thanks, everybody. For- Rocking with the brand and rocking with the business. I think one reason that the people blame the offensive line, I don't think it's like some of the offensive line, but I think it's a mixture of both. But Rattler taking too much time to throw the ball. And I think it's just a mixture of both. We can't block and we don't get rid of it fast enough. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's a combination of everything. It's, it's a combination of everything. Uh, Spencer Rattler's got to be better. Satterfield somehow's got to make an adjustment be better. Offensive line's got to be better. Everything has got to be better. So. Do you think I'll play better this weekend, the defense or offense? I think the offense. They better. I think the offense should have their way with with Charlotte. So, I, I really do. That's why I took the Gamecocks minus twenty two. Um, I think that uh, you know it's 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 a classic case of again buy low, sell high. And I think that 
Obviously, we're coming off getting our brains beat in. We lost two in a row, and everybody's down and out on the Gamecocks. And I'm not saying we're some great football team by any stretch of the imagination, but we should be able to dominate Charlotte. I mean, they're 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 terrible. They're terrible. So, um, they're terrible. So, I think the offense will perform better. I I don't think we're going to like pitch a shutout or anything defensively. So. I think Robbie Davis hit the nail on the head. I think we're going to have a special team touchdown in one of the games. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely uh, I'd definitely love to see it. So, I, I think it's a great opportunity, again, for the entire football team to, to make some plays and build some confidence, my man. I think it's a great opportunity for that. Jerry, I appreciate the call, my guy. Um, I'm trying to squeeze in one more call. Dave Garrick, my buddy Dave called in. Dave, if you want to call back in real, real quick, you know, normally you're just dishing out a comment, hanging up. Phone lines are open for you, my man. I don't know if Dave can or not. And, Jerry, I appreciate your call as well. Yeah, I mean, listen, top to bottom, it's got to be better. And this is a great opportunity for the entire football team. You know, we've been spending the entire – you know, we've been spending the the show talking offense, but, uh, you know, the entire football team's got an opportunity to play good football and be better. Uh, Doc Graybeard, hey, appreciate the Super Chat, my friend. Guys, you want to support the business, support the channel, support the content, everything we do, you can through Super Chat and Super Stickers on YouTube. Doc Graybeard, thank you. He says, hey, Chris, my question is, do you think we could lose Lloyd and Bell to transfer? No, I, I, I certainly would hope not, Doc. I would certainly hope not. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I don't think that'll happen. Good question, but I don't think that'll happen. Um, let's see. Why he's the goat? He's the goat. Yeah, apparently LSU just got put on a probation for recruiting violation. Uh, one year of probation, whatever that means. Five thousand dollar fine, limit of official visits. Hmm. What does it really all mean? But yeah, LSU getting getting hit with recruiting violations. So there you go. How about it? Anyways, guys, we're going to jump into a break here in like two minutes. Again, I, I, if, if uh, my guy Dave, if one, he wants to call in, if not all good, if not all good, I just figured I'd give him the opportunity. Uh, let's see. Let's head over to the Big Cock Club Discord, TDC Questions channel. Here he is. Dave, what's up, man? Hey, man. Um, you know, if the if you use the transitive property in football, we'd probably be in trouble this weekend. But thank <laughs> God we can't use it. Um, got a quick question for you. Um, I, as everybody, I'm hoping every, everything uh, they get the kinks out and work. But if the next three weeks aren't uh, as planned, if a change has got to be made, how do you? How much do you think that's going to derail the recruiting process? I'll listen off the air and see you soon, man. Thanks. Dave, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. I, I would say this. I think if a change is made and adjustment is made, do we know about it? Is, is it a publicly like, you know, Marcus Satterfield gets fired? Or is it more so behind closed doors? They're making an adjustment and giving the play calling duties to someone else, you know? 
So I, I, I don't know. That's, that's a great question. Um, if it doesn't go according to plan, I, I don't think a change is made in season. And, and that's what sucks, man, is like I, I want Sat to succeed. Not just because for the obvious, that is, I want us to score more points and win more games, but like they are doing a good job recruiting. Like Satterfield is recruiting. Can, can anybody, would anybody disagree to the fact that Satterfield is recruiting good players, quarterbacks? Greg Atkins is recruiting good offensive linemen, obviously. But if you're not getting the job done, especially to the level that you're not getting it done, you're left with no choice. So, we'll see if they can get it turned around. Guys, we're going to jump into a quick break. On the other side, we've got J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur going to join the show. Guys, more of that. We'll get into that conversation on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back here on this Thursday, September the 22nd, 2022. Again, guys, I want to say thank you to you all for tuning in. A jam-packed week, an exciting week as we get ready for kickoff on Saturday against the Charlotte 49ers. South kind of looking to get back in the win column. Again, guys, every single day, right, we have our daily guests. And, of course, you know it is Thursday here, 115. Our good friend J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks, the Big Spur, joins us. J.C., what's going on, my friend? How are you? Hey, great to be with you today, Chris. I uh, always get to talk a little ball. always look forward to Thursdays. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. And like I said, as we sit at this point in the week, um, about, what, 50, I don't know, 54 hours or something like that away from kickoff, what have you. We've got Shane Beamer's call-in show tonight as we creep closer and closer to kick. Before JC, and I will say this, thank you so much as well for having me on your show this morning inside the Gamecocks at 1130. That was an absolute blast, as it always is. Um, but before we look ahead, JC, to this weekend, let's first talk what happened against Georgia really briefly, right? 48-7. to You and I talked last week this time. We set proper expectations going in the game. But I'll ask you this. Were you surprised at just how poorly the game went? 24 to nothing at halftime. 48 to nothing for the Gamecocks could even score. I mean, Georgia certainly, certainly showed, excuse me. And I've seen a, I spent a lot of this time this week, you know, giving Georgia credit. They're an elite. They're, you know, I picked them to go undefeated for a reason. But uh, I, I feel like even the most realistic of Gamecock fans were a little surprised at just how brutal that game was on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I think to stay in that ball game, Chris, you know, the Gamecocks needed to make some things happen early on offense and, you know, three chances, obviously. Um, one ended, uh, you know, I thought the first drive of the game, you come out, Rattler throws a strike to Stogner, you get a first down. There was a hole for Marshawn Lloyd. He only got three or four yards, but still that was more positive than, than, than you'd expect uh, first run of the game. And then, Lo and behold, here comes the Joiner play that's never worked in 16 games. Uh, Joiner is good. Uh, I, I think he's a player that needs to be used in a package, not a not a play. It's a package, not a play. Right. Um, I guess there was a check he could have run it, but uh, coaches, uh, defensive coaches, uh, scout things like tendencies, right? Uh, and they usually do it over the summer. And you can bet Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann and Kirby Smart when they're sitting around in Athens over the summer watching ball. Uh, filling up their folders for the season, doing some pre-scouting. They look, well, when five comes in the game, when it wasn't the bowl game, he keeps it every single yeah. time. And uh, 
I'm proud of on for getting three yards in that situation. Uh, that was absolutely the worst time to run that. Uh, it was almost as egregious as the sequence of plays inside the two against Tennessee last year. Uh, in both those situations, it cost you a chance with early momentum. Now, were the Gamecocks going to score on that drive? I don't know. Uh, but all I know at that point was Rattler was settled in. He hit a pass. They were at the 43. That's not bad field position. Um, you know, and and and, and the, so there's a chance. The other other chance comes uh, after the long pass to Bell, and Rattler threw an interception. That's on him, right? Not a good decision at all. But I think at this point you got to kind of live with that sometimes, right? Uh, and then uh, the infamous third and fourth down sequence. Um, I get it. Sometimes if you got two downs to call it, uh, you may try to sneakily run a little run play. That just isn't the play I would have run. I mean, it's kind of wide and he got bounced. Bill Smith got, and certainly not the guy that hadn't gotten lathered up like Bill Smith. Um, you know, and then the, 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 uh, unfortunate thing in the end zone caused him to just sit there and, and watch and, yes, you know, so that pass was short to Brooks. So, so there are your three chances, right? And you don't score in any of those situations. Your, your chances of victory went from about like 8% to 1. Um, the defense did not stop Georgia all day. Uh, I did think they did a good job in the first half of limiting big plays. Um, but, you know, you have to – you can't sit there and get bled to death, right, Chris? Uh, and that's what happened. That's what Georgia did to Carolina on defense. They just – you know, it's first down, second down, third down, first down, second down, third down. And they just operated like a machine. Um, I was talking to a uh, a guy that you know coached in the SEC uh, that uh, on defense uh, the other day, um, you know, kind of just trying to figure it out. And you know, he didn't have any criticism of the defensive coaching. He said, "But you know, what I've noticed is what you got to do sometimes. If I were them, I would take more chances." He's like, "Because you got to get them stopped one way or the other. You know, you can't just sit there and, and let them get three, four, four, three, four, eight, three. You know, that kind of yeah. thing." Um, you look at the sequence of plays in this football game, and this has happened all year, and I don't understand it. I've never seen an offense work like this. Uh, one drive, it's pass heavy. One drive, it's run heavy. You know, so, so you keep abandoning one or the other. Uh, you don't have balance drive to drive. Uh, and when you have balance, that keeps the defense off balance. Look at what Georgia did to Carolina with their offense. They kept Carolina's defense off balance. Um that and they're physical and talented and good. And on top of everything else, if you're playing the number one team in the country as good as Georgia is, and then you get completely outcoached, you know, it, what, what happened is going to happen. Um, you know, I, I still believe there's good players on this football team. Uh, I, I'm sure they were not too pleased with how things went down. So hopefully they rally here these next two games, the get well games. And, uh, take their chances on October 8th. But, you know, th something's got to give with this offense. I mean, we've, we've been through 16 games now, and unless Carolina's playing an opponent, which very few SEC defenses are going to do this or let you do this, unless there's an opponent that Carolina could just line up and run, 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 run over, like last year with Harris against Florida and North Carolina and Auburn gave up a bunch of rushing yards to the Gamecocks. This offense goes nowhere. Yeah. You know, nowhere. Um and that's against everybody from Troy to Vandy to East Carolina to Missouri. Uh, so you hope, you know, that that that, get, that that big game we keep, we're all looking for happens this weekend against the statistically worst defense in the country. Um, 
but but you still have your doubts because heck, they played some bad defenses before, made them look like the '85 Bears. <laughs> JC, what, this goes beyond the Georgia game. What do you make of the the slow starts? You know, and, and it'd be different if it was just a game or two, but. This is becoming a really disturbing trend, right? I mean, you were down 21 to 3 to Arkansas. You know, obviously what happened against Georgia. I mean, even Georgia State. And then you go back to last year and the slow starts you've had on the road. And I mean, is there, am I looking too deep into it? Or, or do you think there's a real concern that slow starts is sort of just a, a characteristic trait of this football team and maybe more importantly, this coaching staff? Yeah, I don't know what the answer is there. Um, you know, I can't put my finger on one thing. I, I just, you know, I, I think it's Georgia. It was just, you know, the reason they got to a slow start is missed opportunities on offense, three three drives. Um, that's going to kill you every single time when you don't come away with points. Um, defensively, yeah, that's interesting because you think defenses would go out there and, and start quick. You know, they're fired up, ready to go. They're not fatigued at that time. Uh, so you think they go out there and do it? Um, gosh, I guess the defense started started well against North Carolina. The bowl game was a big start. You know that was that was one of those where it was a big start, and then the Carolina was able to just run all over them and, and played really good defense in that football game. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is there. I mean, there's been times in the last 16 games where you know Carolina's had something good happen early. Uh, and then inevitably something else happens to make the totality of the start not good. I'll, I'll give you two examples. Missouri last year, you're up 7 nothing after, you know, you, you commit a turnover, then you get a turnover, and you're up 7 nothing. Driving to score again and a fumble. And next thing you know, it's 17-7 Missouri. Clemson last year, Cam Smith's interception early, I thought was a potential momentum changer, but Clemson just overwhelmed you, and then you couldn't stop the run at all. So uh, – I don't know. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know what they need to do to kind of get these guys starting a little quicker. Uh, or it may just be that, you know, the issues uh, always rear their ugly head early. Uh, and then Carolina plays better late because at times they're out of the game and it doesn't matter anymore. So the other team sort of lets up. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't I, – I don't uh, – I don't understand through three games the slow start, especially Georgia State. Um, you know, I, I, that's an opener. Place is packed. You got every reason to go out there and play very, very well early, uh, and you don't. So, you know, I, I, I don't. I wish I had a better answer for that. I'll probably come up with something after we get off because I always do that. But uh, right now, I'm kind of at a loss, and you know, trying to think of of what they could do. You know, I would say, hey. You know, in the bowl game, he got it to Jaheim, and he, he had two big plays early, actually three if you think about the run at the beginning. But, heck, they went deep to Jaheim once, at least the other day. He didn't, he didn't get a big play. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think overall, um, personnel uses, uses on offense is baffling me. It's bothering me today. I, I don't – you know, I, I understand comments when, when you make comments like, oh, we got a lot of good players, so sometimes people are going to have this stat, this game, and this stat, the other – I get that, but not having Juice Wells involved, and in, in, this is now a pattern where uh, a player will have a big game around here on offense, and the next game he's benched. Mm-hmm. Or, or not benched, but yeah. it doesn't even seem like he's part of the game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's happened over and happened to Juju McDowell last year. I mean, happened to Jaheim last year. So, 
Uh, that's disturbing to me in a big way. Um, I sort of thought coming away from the Georgia game that Juice was maybe bracketed or no, he didn't do any of that. He just wasn't targeted. And I, you know, to me, that guy's a stud. You got to get him the ball by any means necessary. Yeah. And you got to get uh, Jaheim the ball and you got to get Marshawn the ball. I mean, you, I know there's a lot of guys you need to get the ball to, uh, and it's not going to be huge numbers every week, but, uh, that kind of comment to me is the type of comment that you should make when your offense is going up and down the field against everybody and, you know, the share of the rock kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's been kind of making my blood boil for a little bit, but the, you know, the, the fast starts and all that are the slow starts. I, I don't know. I, I, I think that they would behoove themselves to, to get off to a fast start uh, on Saturday night and then maintain that through the game. Yeah. I mean, to your point, JC, it's, it's, I, I do agree with you, and it's been maddening for me as well that, you know, you hear that and you understand it, like, hey, there's a lot of guys that can touch the football, I get it, but there's some guys that just need to touch it every week. Like, they, they need to. Like, just flat out, they need to. Like, imagine saying that back in 2010, well, you know, Marcus Lattimore had 25 carries this week. He only had two this week because, you know, just sometimes. Other guys. It's like, no, that he needs to touch it every week. Like, he's one mm-hmm. of our best players, you know what I mean? So, um, I, I guess I would ask you – you know, something that I, I don't feel like I've really talked about this week or, or asked anybody else or nobody's asked me. There's a lot of issues with this offense. For this offense to get going, who do you think is the most important player? And I know, I guess, Spencer Rattler is the obvious answer, so maybe take him off the table. But in regards to playmaker, whether it be Wells, it be Van, it be Bell, Lloyd, Stogner, you go down the list. Who is the guy do you think it's most important to get them going that you think will at least start to get this offense in gear? I, I can make a case for a lot of people, you know, but I, yeah. I'll just leave the lack of touches for Juice Wells as shocking and bad and awful, and people need to look in the mirror about that. Um, I, and I think Marshawn needs more of an opportunity to get going uh, and not, you know, give him – you know, if he has seven carries, four of them come on the same drive because you're running run plays over and over, uh, you know. But but I'm going to say Jaheim just because he he's so versatile. Uh, I don't mind handing him the ball from scrimmage uh, every now and then. I, I do think he needs to be a huge part of your passing game. Uh, you know, the, the comment about him blocking well the other day, it was mind-blowing, you know. Uh, I think Trey Kenyon can probably block. I think Nick Atkins could probably block, you know. Uh, Jaheim was at his best last year when you split him out. And he can make things happen. And, and he just has, you know, he, he's he's just been a guy that's popped up every now and then. So, uh, you get Jaheim going, uh, I think that makes other teams kind of concerned because, you know, here's a guy that can do it all. We don't know where he's lining up or where he's going or what he's going to do. Uh, and see that opens up other things because you it, it's all about to me who does the defense have to account for you know who who scares them mm-hmm. right and, and and when you take guys completely out of the game plan or maybe it wasn't intentional maybe, maybe they just weren't didn't seem like they were part of the game plan you know you're really not going to fool anybody mm-hmm. uh, what that makes it is harder for, for you to call plays uh, you know because nobody's going to think anything of it and they're no no nothing special so you know, let's just go out here and, and play our game and uh, let you guys screw it up. So um, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, that's the, that's the big concern. So, so if I had to choose one, and really you can make a case for all of them, outside of Rattler, if I had to choose one, it'd probably be Bell. 
Yeah, like you said, you can make a case for a lot of different guys. I, I just I do agree with you. I think Jaheim Bell, he should be the dude that I think is sort of the the leader of this offense in regards to playmakers. And again, that's all those guys need to get going. But I, I do agree, Bell is is sort of that dude that he needs to be that dude, if you will. Let's talk Spencer Rattler though, JC. Two touchdowns, five interceptions through three weeks. Again, give credit to the defense he played in Georgia. Uh, but but there's no secret. Seven's got to step up his game. I mean, you can look at O line, you can look at the scheme, what have you. But Seven's got to play better. Bottom line. Yeah, I actually thought the offensive line had probably their best game against Georgia. It wasn't as leaky, you know which is such saying? a gamecock thing, right? To play yeah. the level of competition in that way. You know what I mean? It, it's I don't know. Continue. <laughs> I just you know. Yeah, you're, I mean you're yeah. It is kind of a gamecock thing there. Um, but, but yeah, I, I thought I thought they, you know, I thought what, the, what they did with Wanamaker and, and Wanam was, uh, I thought that worked to be quite frank. And then nothing against Jalen Nichols because when they put Nichols in left tackle last year, that got them a little more solidified. But you know, I, I think Wanamaker is probably one of their five best, and, and he needs to play. You know, if you want to move him inside and bench somebody else, it's fine. Um, you know, I, I thought they were going to move. Uh, Gwen to center this offseason. It's told that, and uh, they haven't. And and so you're going to have to live with Douglas, and Douglas makes the calls and all that. So you don't, you know, who, who do you just do you sit down for Sean Lee? Do you do Gwen? I mean, what do you do? But honestly, I think, um, you know, I, I think that worked uh, better than maybe what was anticipated. But, you know, you're absolutely right that Spencer Rattler has to play better. He, he he's, he's not playing well, he looks uncomfortable. Uh, gets flushed out, uh, starts moving his feet, backpedaling a little too easy. I think he's sensing pressure that's not there, uh, and that's not good for a quarterback. And and I think he's forcing it. And and honestly, Chris, you know, you, you go out there and you read a lot, and you know these guys know Charlotte's defense isn't all that good, but you go out there and press, and you're focused on balling out and blowing somebody out rather than winning the game. Uh, we, we all know that that can get you beat or get you in a, in a dog fight. When you, when you just don't concentrate on playing your best, you concentrate on, you know, going and slaughtering the other football team. So uh, I've seen that story before. <laughs> so I, I think that, that he does need to play better. He needs to make better positions. They need to put him in better, better spots. Um, again, I've never seen anything like it where they'll just run, run, run the whole series. And then, the next series, it's all pass. And, you know, about the fourth time you do it, it becomes pretty obvious what you're going to do. Again, they have tendencies. You know, they've scouted you. They've watched you on film. And, uh, you know, that's what's so unfortunate. I think uh, running plays from Oklahoma's playbook's fine. Uh, but you gotta you got to figure out how to call it, you know, and, and when to call it against what. And so – you know, it's it's tough. It's heartbreaking almost to watch him struggle like that. Um, but you know, that's that's on him. That's on his coach. That's on the head coach. That's on everybody to get him right, get him going, um, because it's going to be a very very long season uh, and a long off season uh, if if they don't. If he continues to play like he does. I mean, JC, I would say that it's almost a guarantee he'll be back in Columbia next year if he keeps playing the way he is. I mean, I mean right? I mean, I, I don't know how he could make the jump to the next level. I know he's got undeniable arm talent and, I mean, this and that, but I don't know how he could, in good conscience, make the jump to the next level if he has a, you know, a, a season like he's on pace to have. You know what I mean? I, I, 
Yeah, I, I would think though. I know it's too early to project stuff like that, but I, you yeah, know, and, and like, cause I, what, what I, I tell people this, like, I want him to go to the next level because that's gonna look good for us. You know, it, oh. it helps in recruiting that hey, we took Rattler, got the most out of him, he got drafted. Like, I feel like him coming back. I mean, I hate to say it would be like worst case scenario, it'd be a terrible thing, but I, I just hate for. Because I have to imagine it will be used against us negatively in recruiting. Like, look at South Carolina. They can't even develop a guy that is supposed to be this first rounder. Why would you want to go play quarterback there? That's what I'd be saying if I was the opponent. I mean, what? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and and, and that's the thing. I, and you know, look. I honestly, if things keep going like they're going, I I don't see Spencer Rattler sticking. I I I, I think if he's a graduate. Right. He's probably got a free. I don't. Yeah. And I don't know if he's what his academics are like. If he's close to graduating or not, but you got another free transfer if you're grad. Right. And I would, if he keeps struggling like that at that point, probably going to be kind of like a Jake Bentley where he drops down a level, you know, right. uh, maybe to a, a, a northern Arizona. I mean, shoot, Arizona State's such a dumpster fire right now. He could probably go back home and play, right. regardless. But. You know, back out of the Pac-12, you know, out of the SEC, that kind of thing, to, to get his stock back up. Because, you know, right now it, it's taking a beating, and he's such a popular, well-known player. That's always a subject. You know, everybody, well, what's wrong with Spencer Rattler? You know, always a subject. And it does. It looks bad for him. It looks bad for South Carolina, quite frankly. Um, you know, because this program has not had a quarterback drafted since Todd Ellis. Uh, in the 1990 draft, uh, he lasted – I think he played one preseason game for the Broncos and Dan Reeves cut him. Uh, and that's it. I mean, Anthony Wright and uh, Connor Shaw have started games uh, in the NFL, made rosters, but they haven't had a quarterback drafted in yeah. 32 years, man. And uh, this was this was supposed to be the next guy that, that takes a crack at it. And, you know, if it keeps going like it's going, and hopefully it doesn't, uh, then that's not going to happen again, and it's, it's really going to look bad, you know, on the part of the, the the whole program along with Rattler. JC, let's move to the defensive side really quickly as we start to shift our focus to this game against Charlotte. Because, like you mentioned, this is a bit of a, I mean, these next two, what they should serve as, what they should serve as, is feel good games, an opportunity for everybody to kind of get back on track, build some momentum, have some things to feel good about. And, uh, you know, the the attention, the focus thus far at the three games has been, obviously, J.C. on the offense. It struggles, Marcus Satterfield. But the defense hasn't exactly been anything to uh, to, to write home about either. You know, you, you have not surrendered less than 200 yards rushing in a ball game this season, and that includes the week one game against Georgia State. Uh, you know, give credit to Arkansas and Georgia, big physical offensive lines. We knew that those were mismatches, but this, this, these next two weeks and this one this weekend, I mean, it really, and I know there's guys injured and maybe you'll be playing shorthanded. You look at Charlotte, they got a really good quarterback and Chris Reynolds has done good things for them. But I think JC, you, you could argue this weekend and this game and these next two are just as important for the defense as the offense, because, you know, last year, one of the biggest reasons, if not the reason you were able to get to bowl eligibility and win a bowl game, is because you were able to lean on that defense. And I just fear, J.C., that if things continue with the defense in a negative trend, you know, that just might not be the case this year. What you want to see from the defense? And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, and I don't want to speak for you, but I, I'm optimistic they can turn it around and, and be much better than we've seen thus far. Well, you know, I gave it three games. And then, look, it, the, the, there's no 
you know, and I don't know if Boogie Huntley will be back this week or not. And I did think they missed him a bit. I know George's coaches uh, were not sad to see him out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and look, I, he's better than MJ Webb. I mean, that, that's just the bottom line. No yeah. offense to MJ, he plays hard. But uh, I felt like Huntley was an upgrade over Jabari Ellis, and, and I think he's a definite upgrade over Webb. Uh, it needs to be in there. They need him. Yeah. Uh, but Pickens and Birch and Edmund and all those guys, you know, that defensive line needs to just to, just to go play like – play their best, play like they're capable. Um, they all got talent. They're all good. Uh, they need to start maximizing the talent they've got. Uh, this is a great game to start because – Charlotte's not that big up front. I don't know if they're overly talented up front. Uh, you're going to be able to affect the passer at times. Um, they need to go out and have big games, and they got to continue it. Uh, they will not face an offensive line as good as Arkansas or Georgia for the rest of the year unless something magically happens in Clemson's offensive line with all the talented guys they have gels before the end of November, which, which you know, let's face it. From South Carolina standpoint, that'll probably happen. <laughs> but uh, th- there's nobody that that's looked as good as Arkansas and Georgia on the offensive line uh, in the remaining nine games. So there's an opportunity. At the same time, you know they, they need to, you know they, they need to to step up because it's not just oh we're getting blocked by these really good players. They they're not winning their share of battles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not getting a good pass for us, that kind of thing. Um, number two, and I was talking, uh, my defensive, uh, guy that, that I talked to said, uh, if there's one criticism, uh, about Clayton White, it was, you know, he's probably take more risks. Uh, and, and you kind of look at that game, the defense sort of died a slow death. I mean, they, they did a good job limited big plays until the pass to Bowers, which you want to see good play calling, go watch Georgia and, and watch how when BJ Gibson trotted out there. They, they signaled in a play, and they went right after him, didn't they? Uh, and that wasn't B.J.'s fault. Really tough position to be in going out there uh, for an injured player. But, you know, man, that was masterful by them. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, in certain situations, especially when you're, you know, you got injuries and you're, you know, you just kind of need to go after them because uh, – and try to get off the field. Because if you get home, you get home, and that's that. Man, they score a touchdown – Hell, you, your offense is getting the ball back, you know. Um, and and so if there was any kind of criticism about, you know, how the defense is being called, uh, I, I think White gets a little conservative at times. And that's not his D. If you look back at Western Kentucky, you look back at, you know, sort of the beginning of last year, you know, his defense is based on timely pressures and exotic blitzes and, and, and alignments and, and things like that. And it just – uh, the bend but don't break, you know, you, you're getting paper cut to death. So uh, if that's that's the only – I mean, I, I understand they're in a tough situation with all the injuries. But uh, if I had two keys for the defense this weekend, it's uh, get the D-line going and uh, maybe take some risks every now and then. If they score, they score because, you know, you're playing the team with allegedly the worst defense in the country. So And, and look, complimentary football plays into this too, Chris. Maybe they don't think they can. Because they don't they don't know that the offense can go score. So you gotta you gotta you're trying to hold them and keep them. It's okay if they, it's kind of like what Muschamp did his first year, where it's okay if you hold them to field goals because you can still win the game. Um, and I get that, um, but uh, unfortunately, you know, with some of the teams Carolina plays, I, I think you do have to uh, just risk it and um, hope for the best on offense. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's like you said, you get paper cut to death. The problem is you you do eventually bleed to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still bleeding. That's exactly what happened against Georgia. You know, you, you look at this game, JC, and against Charlotte, and I've had fans tell me all week, you know, you simply just can't win by enough. Right? And we talked earlier on your show this morning about um, – you know, that a, a win's a win's a win. Really, it just doesn't apply here, right? I, I think this game mm-hmm. is so important for – I mean, I look at it. You can tell me if I'm off base. I think you need 500-plus yards of offense. I, I think you need to score at minimum 40 points. I mean, at minimum, like you talked about this morning, your uh, the team total being uh, 39-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, while you maybe can say you can't win by enough and, and this one, it's, it's not a – you know, nobody tuned into this season to walk up on Georgia State and Charlotte and SC State, what have you. These next two weeks are really, really important for this football team. Anything besides just a blowout win, anything specifically you want to see that maybe will make you start to feel like, okay, those were things I needed to see. If they can do that again against SC State, it'll make me feel even better that, you know what, maybe this team has responded the right way and can carry that over into the rest into the rest of the SEC slate and the season, if you will. Yeah, I, I think they need balance on, on offense, and, and they need to break the tendencies they've been having, you know, because, like I said, and I probably need to go look at some, some uh, play – uh, recap or drive recaps from the NFL. So I don't know if they do this in the NFL or not. But quite frankly, I'm tired of hearing about the NFL and this offense. I mean, you know, this is the, you know, all this talk about the NFL. It, it's like um, a uh, mediocre community theater actor. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that. That'll end up <laughs> that'll end up coming to back. I, I'll give you that one in a couple of weeks. Um, let me come back. I need to hold my tongue on that one. That's something I told my buddies after the game. But um, I am tired of hearing about the NFL, but it's, I don't know if that's maybe how they do it up there, but uh, you got to have balance within a drive, you know, to keep the defense off balance. So I want to see that as far as yardage goes, boy, 500 would be great. Uh, I think if they're held below 400, there's serious problems. Uh, Unless the defense and special teams are just killing it. They don't have any, many possessions. Um, Get the playmaker, your playmakers, the ball. It's inexcusable. Uh, not to get Antoine Wells the ball in a game, Juice Wells. I mean, I, I'm, I thought originally I was like, well, Georgia may have bracketed him or taken him out. And, and they covered guys pretty good. Georgia did. They're good at that. But they didn't do anything special for that kid. He still got the ball. He went, it's like he wasn't even in the game plan. And that's a troubling trend because we saw it last year. Jaheen would have a good game. The next game didn't even seem like they wanted to get the ball. You know, Juju – uh, would have a good game like East Carolina the next week, not a single touch against Georgia. Um, and that happened over and over. It's weird. It's strange how that happened. And that, that's kind of got my blood blowing a little bit today. But uh, I, uh, I I, I want to see personnel usage that makes sense. I, I'm not worried, like, about the stats necessarily. But, you know, if you talk about how you got a lot of good players and so the stats are going to be different every week, you know, that's somebody that people that have good offenses say that when you have a bad offense uh, and it's bad, I mean, why would you, you know, what are you doing? Uh, uh, And that's, you know, I'm really cool with anything Shane Beamer says to the media. I don't get into it, but um, I think that uh, that, that was one comment that kind of puzzled me because I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know what guys have been disappearing for two years, game to game. 
you know, maybe, maybe that's like another tendency you notice. And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe somebody needs to look into that. Yeah. I mean, JC, I, I, I agree with you. I'm the same way. I take it all with a grain of salt in regards to the, you know, the positive, the negative, when it comes to the coach speak and the pressers. And I mean, there's, it's going to be exactly that coach speak, but I tell you, man, like it's, it's tough for fans on a weekend week out basis. Yeah. When, you know, you lose by 41 and then you're hearing people saying how close we are. And it's like, maybe not the time like maybe it's not the time to pull that card out and then you and then you got even players saying that you know we're 10 times better than we showed i mean that's fine i i hope you believe that but damn it you need to go show it like, you just need you, you need to go show it at some point so what's so interesting jc about this entire conversation and everything in the mood of this week the Gamecocks are where I think 98% of folks picked them to be, right? And that that's the sort of the internal battle I've been having this morning is like, you know, we're one and two. I picked us to be one and two. I just think, though, how it's looked is what's been so troubling. You know, it's not all one and twos are built equal, right? I mean, I had a buddy yeah. who's like, South Carolina might be the worst one and two team in the country because you look at Georgia State as well. I mean, it's just like they're not all built equal. And I know you would agree with that. Absolutely. No, it's, I don't think anybody would be sitting around gnashing their teeth about a one and two record. And it's not even so much, uh, you know, maybe even the margins of victory. It, it's how it's, it's the same. They have the same problems they had last season and all off season. Everybody's just told, Oh, well now they got Spencer Rattler last year. They played four quarterbacks, which is a little bit of a, a little bit misleading. I mean, Luke Doty started four straight games. Jason Brown started four straight games. His last game was his worst. They didn't get any better. Um, so I, I don't know that quarterback uh, changes had much to do with it. I mean, I honestly don't. Um, and, and Jason Brown, who was the third stringer, I, I thought played better than all the rest of them. So, so how was that an issue? You know, if your third stringer is your best quarterback, he doesn't get into the end. He leads you to what little success you have. You know, how, how was the fact that, you know, you had to change quarterbacks because guys kept getting hurt uh, detrimental to your entire deal? I, I don't know. So, so, but that's what we were told. I was willing to, I was willing to buy it. Um, and you have the same issues this year with a five-star guy that has tremendous arm talent that does need to play better. But I think everybody on the coaching staff has to ask themselves, are you putting him in a position to succeed? Um you know, and, and look, I understand. Great. You want to learn the pro style offense, how they do it in the NFL. Super. Um, this is not, and I said this during the Muschamp era because I thought what he was trying to do on defense did not work at South Carolina because you don't, you know, it's very complex, you know, what they do. And you have to have overwhelming talent and all this other stuff to run that, that save in defense. I mean, look how it's failed at other spots. It's worked at Georgia. It's worked at Alabama. Where else? Failure Tennessee, failure Florida, failure South Carolina. You know, uh, South Carolina needs a simple defense. They can go play fast. I think they got that now. Um, so this is like that in reverse. It's like th this is not an NFL uh, training facility where everybody comes and they just kind of practice and go play games and, oh, well, it didn't work out, but you're getting better. And by the time you get to the league, you'll be fine. It's not what this is for. It's, 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 a, it's a college football program. It's about winning and losing. Um, and, uh, I, I think the question needs to be asked, are you putting Spencer Rattler, uh, in the best position to go be a winner? Uh, you know, uh, that you possibly can, and, and you're right. The, the whole close comment, Jamie Bradford was just on our show. Uh, he made this great point. He said, yeah, 
it's about as close as you're going to get because you've heard that for 16 games. Uh, and, and I used the analogy last year. It's like, you know, yeah, well, one little thing keeps screwing up. Well, why is that? You know, why is one little thing down? Uh, I don't know that that's the case with other offenses. Oh, I got missed a block. So here's the hot read. Here's this. And and in college offenses, Chris, that are good, have all, have they're very simple to learn, but they also have contingency plans. In other words, okay, Ole Miss, for example, didn't have a good blocking one year. And then they were like, well, what do we do? Well, then let's run this one play. And instead of pulling this guy, we're going to do this with this guy. Uh, and, and that'll compensate. Great coaches look at who they've got and then build a system. Uh, bad coaches tend to want to force the, the issue. Uh, even Steve Spurrier and Mike Leach, uh, who have great proven systems, will, will change it up. Um, and, and so, and I made the point, I was like, yeah, one little thing every single time, that shouldn't be happening. You know, you think about airline disasters, right, over the years. Since we've been alive, it's usually one little thing, and, and it turns it into a disaster. Um, and I always thought kind of the idea was to, you know, build the airplane better, <laughs> you know, or, 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 or make an airplane to where if one little thing fails, you're not killing 230 people. And that's kind of what this feels like now, you know, because you, you hear it all the time from them. Well, one little thing and we're good. Well, I mean, is that Marshawn Lloyd not breaking that final tackle for a big run? That's fine. I can live with that. Or is it some scheme thing that like, You've designed this, you know, crazy far out thing that looks great on the chalkboard, but man, everybody's got to pull off really hard things, all 11 guys to make it work. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, right now it, it appears to be the latter. Yeah. To your point, JC, just moving off it, you know, I, I, I'm tired of hearing the NFL thing too. Cause it's like, I'm a South. I don't want to hear about fan. NFL. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a South Carolina <laughs> fan. I'm not an NFL fan. You know, and like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love, I, I love seeing guys, you know, have success at the next level, like the Debo's and everybody, everybody we put in the league. That's great. But like, they will get coached when they get there. Let them do it. You don't need to do it. I, I you know what I mean? Like, I understand, but it's like, let, let, let them go be NFL guys when they get to that point. But Hard to get drafted when your team is shit. You know what I mean? Like, I mean it's just hard. Check, <laughs> check this out, Chris. I mean, you know, so 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 I guess the idea was, well, this system's gonna prepare you for the NFL better than Lincoln Riley's. Well, the quarterbacks Lincoln Riley sent to the NFL are they haven't all been, I mean, bust. Like hmm. Kyler Murray's good. Jalen Hurts is starting for the Eagles. Uh you know, even Baker Mayfield was, was you know, rookie of the year way back when, right? Yeah. And so you're like, well, Lincoln Riley's put guys in the NFL quarterback and nobody's, nobody's complained up there, you know, um, about it. So, uh, you know, th there's a lot of guys that, that come from very simple college offenses uh, that go up there and thrive. And, yes, it's harder to do. I mean, and, but it's when you have 12 hours a day to work on it right. uh, and you're getting paid for it, and uh, you're, you, that's your job, you know. Uh, it's a little bit easier than, than when you have two hours a day and you have class and, you know, other things. So I, I, uh, I, I don't want to hear about the NFL anymore either. I'm, I'm, I have a fantasy football team for the first time in 13 years that I have to keep up with. So I'll watch it every now and then. Uh, you know, I'll watch the playoffs and stuff, and it's fun. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a college guy, and this is a college football program. And, they need to do 
what what's going to work at this level. And, and maybe all of a sudden things will come together and it will. Because, by God, it looks great on the chalkboard. And it's creative and all that. So people say, that's not creative. He is, almost to a fault. Uh, but it doesn't transition in games because I, I think there's an execution issue because it's just a little too complex for college ball. And then number two, I, I think there's a serious in-game play calling issue that unfortunately that type of thing is usually either you have it or you don't. Uh, people talk about the bowl game and how creative the play calling was, and it was for a couple of quarters. But, but Chris, this offense has never worked unless South Carolina is playing a team they can run at will against. Not just run, but run at will. Your North Carolina game. Uh, Auburn was kind of the closest thing to not running at will, but Carolina still popped up the rushing yards. The Quandre White was awesome. Um, you know, Florida, the Gamecocks ran all over them. Uh, other than that, regardless of the opponent, even your Troy and Vandy and whoever else, if, you know, if Carolina can't line up and just run – Simple run plays over and over with success. They, it's been very bad. So, you know that's a that's a that's a red flag for me too. JC bringing the heat as always, man. I free, I appreciate it. Last thing before I get you out of here, let's go out on a positive. The good news from Saturday is it sounds like despite the results, the Gamecocks are still in a good position with Nicholas Harbor, who who was on campus and who was in the building. Just talk about what you've heard. It sounds like again from that visit that. Uh, you know, he really enjoyed themselves and, you know, or really enjoyed himself. And, uh, you know, while some may think it's, it's you know, crazy thing, again, these prospects, they don't, they don't take into account necessarily the, the final results or what the scoreboard says. It sounds like the Gamecocks are still in really good position to land. Yeah, they don't treat it like fans. They all think that when they get there, things are going to be different, right? right? Oh, when I get there, this won't happen, you know. Uh, Nicholas Harvard, his family, look, I, I want to I say Taylor Edwards deserves a ton of credit. Uh, he's the director of player personnel, heads up recruiting. He did a fantastic job massaging everything, all the visitors, unofficially and officially. Uh, did a great job getting the other kids from D.C., Maryland uh, down uh, for unofficials. Because, um, you know, you, you go into that game, you know, even if things go a lot better than they did, you're probably taking an L. You know, you know that. And uh, so, so you're thinking, well, what are we going to do here? Um Credit Shane Beamer and, and the, and the full-time on-field coaches too, because they immediately after the game, as Beamer pointed out, they went they went to recruiting quick in the recruiting mode. Um, Harbor was very impressed with the whole university's layout, uh, especially the ESM Everett Sports Marketing NIL situation. For a guy like him that's going to be in the Olympics, that's huge. Uh, his parents were impressed with the academics. Um, you know, South Carolina. If you if you kind of look at the grades. Uh, academic uh, performance or whatever with the SEC. South Carolina's as good as anybody in the league outside of Vandy with graduation rates and the honor roll and things like that. And, and that's a tribute to the, the Doty Academic Center and all that. They were impressed by that. The, it was the, the whole athletic department really deserves credit for making Nick Harbor's visit a success. Here's the thing. Michigan's this weekend. Michigan is kind of the lead dog before the Gamecocks kind of made a big push. Uh, so that after that visit, I think we're going to be able to kind of read a little more of the tea leaves, uh, just because sometimes when you don't visit your previous favorite for a while, then you get back, you understand what you loved about it. Um, unfortunately with it being a September visit, the weather in Ann Arbor is not going to be, <laughs> it's going to be probably pretty pleasant. Um, 
but uh, and then LSU is kind of a dark horse, I think, because of their track program and all that. So, so we'll see what happens. But I, right now, if if you know, uh, football ended, the world ended, or, or 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 time stood still, and he was forced to make a decision, um, I think he picked South Carolina. But you know, you got one, two, maybe three more visits to survive uh, and go from there. But I, I really like you know I, I, the old saying: it went as well as it could have gone. Uh, it did. It went as well as it could have gone, even taking the result of the game out of it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that hurt the Gamecocks. If, if they lose him to Michigan or LSU or whoever, it's because he simply preferred Michigan or LSU or whatever uh, for a bunch of reasons, including academics, NIL, all of the above. Yeah. J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur. Check him out every single day, Monday through Friday, 11 to 1 on Inside the Gamecocks. J.C., it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for bringing the heat today and taking your time to talk Gamecocks. And look forward to doing it again next week, my friend. Hey, thanks, Chris. You guys be good. Appreciate it. Absolutely appreciate you, my friend. Great conversation. That was awesome. Really do appreciate J.C. having me on his show this morning, Inside the Gamecocks, and also him taking the time to chat. That was, I thought that was really, really good stuff, really enlightening. I, I thought J.C. brought the heat today, man, talking the offense, talking Satterfield, the problems, the issues, and what needs to change moving forward. Guys, we're about to hit 2 o'clock. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support. Thank you for being engaging in the comments, your calls. Um, I know J.C. obviously took up the entire second hour. But, um, you know, we'll have a packed day tomorrow. Jake Crane will join us. We'll wrap up this week, and then we'll go into Saturday and hopefully watch the Gamecocks get a big win over CLT. Um, Outside of that, again, pod tomorrow, Daily Crow tomorrow. Guys, thank you all so much for the support on the merchandise side of the business. We have not ran a sale on TSUS.store in quite a while, and hopefully that'll change because we're going to win, and you guys will get 15% off until Monday afternoon. because of that. So, anyways, guys, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. We've hit 2 o'clock. Y'all have a great rest of your Thursday, and we will talk to y'all tomorrow.